Thanks for joining us on the Enduring Churches podcast. Alan here. Hey, we wanted you to know that Trent and I are doing something a little different. We're taking a week off from recording new material today. We wanted to revisit an episode we recorded all the way back in July of 2019 about pastoring a family-run church. We think it's a really helpful episode. You might be in that particular situation and you don't know what to do. You know, having a lot of key family members in a church isn't always a negative. Sometimes it's a huge positive. We try to paint both sides of that picture for you today. So sit back, take a listen, and we look forward to being back with you very soon with some all-new podcast episodes. Thanks for joining the Enduring Churches podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Trent Young and I'm here with my good friend Alan and we are wanting to help you to endure. And so that's why we do what we do. We enjoy this time sharing with you about some different um, issues that pastors, leaders in churches, and sometimes even business business leaders deal with. And uh, so today we want to talk to you about... Um, something a little bit different uh, in a church, because Alan, you, you've done a lot of research on this, and you understand that there's a lot of smaller churches in our country, aren't there? You know, people get so caught up with the bigger churches, and the bigger churches certainly have the attendance power, um, but the mass number of churches are smaller than 100 people every week. And one of the things that tends to emerge in those smaller churches all across America, whether it be in a, a rural or city setting or wherever it may be, is that there is usually in a, the smaller the church, the more likely it is that there is one or two families that have an extra amount of influence in that church so that we might call it a, a family-led church. And that's that's a dynamic that, that many pastors experience, and it's certainly one that you're not often prepared for until you walk into it. Yeah, that's especially if you've grown up in a more um, suburban setting or, you know, uh, where you're in a large church, and then all of a sudden you are called to this church that's maybe in a farming community, and there's a family or two that kind of keep things going. And uh, but but today, everything that we talk about with this, we want you to see that there are some positives and uh, don't get hung up on the negatives. Uh, we did a podcast recently about being positive, and this is one of those sessions you need to be positive. And so we're going to talk to you more about how do you lead or deal with a family run church or family led church. And, you know, Trent, you you spoke you spoke my life story. I mean, I grew up in a really large church. I grew up, I grew up in a city. Um, I went to a, a church that probably ran about 500 while I was in seminary. You know, I always expected that that's just what churches were like. And then my, my first church was in Southwest Oklahoma in a, a farming community. And, you know, I go in and I find out, you know, Hey, there's some, there's some people of, of influence here. And so, you know, as I was reliving my experience, and I've got to tell you, my experience was extremely positive, but I have many friends for them who it, it was not positive. But let's start with maybe some of the positives of how this happens, because if we don't know how it happens, um, it's it's harder to address our response to it. So how do people get into places of power in a church? And, you know, there are three characteristics that really get people to places of prominence in church. One, they're faithful givers. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, you, you know, in your church who gives mm-hmm. and, and who doesn't, even if it's, even if those records aren't public, you, you know it, um, because they're, they're always there. They're always active and they're always finding ways to give of their time, their talents, their treasures. So they're faithful givers. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. Say. And then that really just what you described shows us that they're also often the willing servants. They're the ones who are there early, stay late, cleaning up after a church potluck, setting up chairs, you name it. They're there. And not only do they give money, but they give their time in a big way. And that's huge. And you. And, and then that, yeah. And that last part, then, you know, you have those two things and they tend to be very strong relationally they're people of influence they're good leaders and so you know when you take all those things you know Trent, if i asked you uh you know would you like faithful givers willing servers and people who are strong in relationship which one of those would you say i really don't want that in my church? man i would want all of those and and that's so it's understandable that those people are really they're great they become leaders sometimes not necessarily thinking they'll be leaders, but I want all of those things. I, I wouldn't say I didn't want any of them. So if you go into a church, let's just say that you heard about a church, they want to call you as a pastor and, and someone says, well, you know, there's that one family in this church and they have a lot of, they have a lot of power in that church or something. And you say, well, I'm going to go in, I'm going to bust up the power <laughs> brokers. Why? Because you're you're going to, you're going to chase off givers, servers, and people of influence. You know, I, don't assume, don't assume that it is always a bad thing. It can be a very good thing to have uh, people of influence in your church. And so that would be our, fir- our first thing is don't assume it's always a bad thing. Uh, it can be, it can be a blessed, it can be a blessed time of ministry. It can be a blessed time in your life. Um, if you will just keep your eyes open and be honest about what's going on, we're going to talk ab- about that, but we do know that it can become a problem. And I've certainly seen that become a, a, a problem for people, um, that, that I know. So when can it become a problem? Well, the, Trent? You know, the first thing that, that, you know, we've all heard horror stories about that, you know, that person who gives big time to the church begins to hold their giving hostage, right? It has conditions to it. Well, if you won't do things the way that I want them to do, then I'm going to quit giving or I'm going to designate my giving to this thing so that basically it, it's held hostage. And so that, that's a real problem. And, you know, we don't, we don't want to encourage that. We want to try to get to know folks or love on them so that they, understand where we're coming from. We understand where they're coming from. And so the, what's the second thing that we should look out for, Alan? Well, I think that, you know, not only when giving has conditions, but when people refuse to share Mm -hmm. their service, that that is something that should kind of get your, your radar up that says, okay, I've got a problem brewing here. So, you know, if you, let's say you go into a church and there's, um, someone who is they're part of a family of influence and they've been the the church treasurer or they've been and it's, we, we'll, I'll kick it real old school with the term here because many churches still have this the Sunday school <laughs> yeah, superintendent that's right, or yeah. something like that and they won't share they won't share the responsibility they're not willing to train up someone else or have anyone come alongside them then it's okay to put your radar up and say okay th- this is going to ultimately become a problem if I don't get proactive in dealing 
with well, this. Well, and, and we need to keep in mind, you know, sometimes we think automatically we our mind goes to, oh, they're trying to be in control. Sometimes, I, you know, it's a good opportunity to just have a conversation with them and, and ask them, ask questions and say, what, what, why do you not want to have some help with this? What's going to happen when you're sick? How do we handle this? And sometimes they're just afraid that it won't be done well. And, uh, and I've, I've been in that boat. I'm like, man, what if they don't do it right? You know, so you got to keep an eye on that mind on that too. It's definitely one of those areas where the pot sometimes mm-hmm. calls the kettle black in, in, in that one, because we, we're the same way as pastors. They're not going to do it right. So I'm yep. just going to do it myself. We kind of do the same thing sometimes. And then that third thing is that sometimes when you start seeing relationships, you know, get severed and mm-hmm. you don't know why, um, you know, your rate, your radar can, can go up because, um, it, you know, in a small community, uh, there are still family feuds and they can, they can certainly have an effect on a church. And so if you start seeing relationships severed again, the radar should come up because, um, there's usually someone strong enough. They're strong enough to mend those relationships. And if they're not being mended, there's, there's probably, a I've experienced problem. that Alan. And that is a hard thing. And because, you know, some family members will say, well, you're taking sides with this other person and, uh, you just can't win on that. You know, if you try to take sides, you're going to lose. Um, and so you, the best thing you can do is try to get them together and to work it out and, uh, try to bring those relationships back together. Well, there's one other one. And and I think this really is probably the biggest factor, Trent, and and see if you agree with me on this. But I think that one of the reasons that it has become a problem in so many churches is because there's a leadership void. And that churches that change pastors a lot, if a a church gets into this thing of they only have a pastor every three or four years, Um, someone's got to provide leadership to the church. Cause if you don't become the pastor till after five years or so, um, and you're not staying that long, that someone's got to pastor the people and it's going to happen. So churches that turn over pastors a lot are going to have this leadership void and right. someone's going to fill there, that void. You know, some of that is that, you know, that leadership family in that small church, that rural church is going to think, you know what? We we've we're first of all we're not going to let our guard down and and really fall in love with these people because they're going to be gone quick and so we can't really you know trust them enough with our hearts and that's that's hard because you just kind of that holding back but you know then they're also going to be thinking well you know I've got to stay in control because this guy's going to be gone here in a in a couple of years and we got to hold it together because this is our church. Pastors come and go, but this is our church. And you will hear that one. If you're a, if you're a young pastor and you've never heard someone say that I'm going to be in this church after you're gone, um, you you have probably not experienced ministry to its fullest yet, because there are many people who who believe that. And well, you know, even when I first came to the church that I'm at now. Um, there were some who were like, you know, well, you'll be here for a while and, and gone. Well, you know, after 12 years, <laughs> yeah. no one says that anymore, you know, because, because they're like, man, he's been here 12 years mm-hmm. and I'm not getting any younger. So, uh, you know, it, 
the longer you're there, the more you're going to become the pastor and the more some of those issues are going to begin to fade into the background. But you've got to kind of make the commitment to stay if if, if you're ever going to right. see that through and we, you expect we that. A, we had change. a lady in our church, Alan, that so, um, when we first yeah, came here to Oklahoma, she was, you know, she had really fallen in love with previous pastors and she just, you know, hated that heartbreak when they left. And so she she told us, you know, a few years into us being here that she had, had started out with an attitude of, well, I'm not going to love these people because they're going to leave. And now she she loves on us. She's amazing. I just love that lady. And, and she just she has opened her heart to us. And, and so, yeah, just time helps us to deal with that. So how do we deal with this dynamic if you've got a bit of a, yeah, if, well, how do we deal with the dynamic overall? Because again, it's not always negative. Sometimes it's a very positive experience, just like you're right. having um, with this lady in your church. But how how do we deal with it? You know, the first thing is you got to identify this family. Yeah, even in the possible, interview right? process, if you go uh, meet with a search committee or someone, you you know, ask some questions and, and get to find out who are the people that are that do all the things in church. Just ask those questions and you'll find out real quickly who are those people. Um and and you know find out those folks notice who's always around, who helps clean up and you'll know who's the leaders. It's it's really it's really not that hard to figure it out if you'll just open your eyes and pay attention to what's going on around you. You know, one of the things I, I always is, is uh, if you're in a meeting or something, <laughs> watch people's eyes and it's time for a decision. Look in where they're, look at where their eyes right. go. And that's the person of influence. Um, it's, it's not, it's not hard to spot them. The second thing, um, you know, Trent is we've got to be able as pastors to identify our vision clearly because if we can't communicate it clearly, yeah, uh, competing and this one I struggle with because you know, lots of times people ask you if you're maybe meeting for the first time with the search committee, what's your vision for our church? And honestly, you know, you can have some basics about discipleship and evangelism, but you can't, you don't have the opportunity yet to come and to hear what God's vision is for that church because you haven't been there, and that may take a while. But um, and you can share some basics with them and be yes. able to say, hey, these are the things that all churches need to work on. The discipleship being one in particular. But as soon as you are able to, you need to be able to identify that so that you can communicate it. Because if you don't mm -hmm. have something clear to communicate to people, it can lot of different directions. And you're right. You know, we do know this. Everyone can go into a church and say, Absolutely. well, my first vision is to love God and love people. You know, if you can start there, at least that's the groundwork. And I'm going to love God and I'm going to mm -hmm. love you. And we're going to figure out where we go from there. And and it, that's clear. This is what I'm going to do. And then make that happen. And you can flesh it out. So Trent, uh, tell us a little bit about this third one, because you had some really good insight there. Well, the, the third thing that we had listed was that we need to work on building relationships with all the people in our church, but we really want to focus on building bridges with those families that have influence in our church. Um, you want to get to know them. You want to um, take some time, visit with them, invite them to your house, go to their house, um, and, and ask questions, right? 
um, ask them about the things that they've seen over the years. How did they get to be part of that church? Or were they founding members of that church? And ask them, you know, to share about what some things that God has done, some crazy things they've seen <laughs> over the years. And uh, I think that once people recognize that you care about them, you want to hear their story, and they will become your biggest benefactors, your biggest supporters and cheerleaders. And so, you know, get to know them. Invite them over to your house. Uh, don't be afraid of them. You know, spend time with them. You know, what's, you, you and I agree, we probably got one of the worst pieces of advice when we were in seminary that you could ever be given as a pastor. What was that, Trent? Well, yeah, we've talked about this before that, you know, um, we're kind of come out of seminary thinking and people tell you, don't get close to people because you're going to have to leave and it's going to be hard. And here we are both in our 11th or 12th years at our church. And and if we would have had that attitude, we would have missed out on blessings. And it's a crock. Get to know people, love on them, get close to them. Then they will love on you and accept you and not hold you at arm's length. Right. If you go in with the idea that I'm a, I'm going to love you from a distance, that's that's really not love. Um, mm-hmm. You you love you love people up close, and that's something that's got to got to happen. And so one of the other things, let's get real practical though, Trent. And it is a complete change of thought with this. But when there is a leadership void in your church, you know, work to fill it with someone outside the family as quickly as possible. Because that family of influence is used to picking up the slack. They're used to to serving. They're used to all those things. But if you want to change the culture in that church and you want to get more people involved, then learn to let the leadership roles be shared by other people in the church. Right. And that, you know, sometimes that encourages them to say, hey, there there are other people in our church that can help. Because a lot of times those families get to thinking, well, Nobody will help. We're all alone. And you need to encourage them to say, hey, no, there's other folks that can help, too. And that's that sharing that responsibility. And it will help them and help your church for sure. So the, the next thing um, that we have listed here is that, that you need to see warning signs of potential trouble and, and work to align the family with the church's vision. You know, be, be on the lookout. Where do you see? Are there fires that are starting? How can I bring that family together with your church vision, your overall vision? Yeah, you know, most people make the mistake of of saying something or getting involved on that part uh, too late. You know, the very the very first sign you see giving conditions put put on something. You know, if uh, you know, I was in in an experience one time where someone uh, really just didn't like my leadership as a new pastor, and so they they stopped giving money to the general budget. They basically took the attitude, well, if the church can't make budget, we can't pay him and he'll leave. And mm-hmm. so they gave all, they, they, they conditioned the money to the student ministry. And, you know, that was a warning sign for, for the church, you know, and ultimately that person uh, left, left the, the, the church. And so, you know, there's, there's just things that you have to remember. You have to, you have to be on the lookout um, and take care of those things quickly. And in that case, I should have taken care of it a lot more quickly. Yeah, and it's it's hard though. But that that should be a warning sign to us in 
in any church situation that that we are trusting in men and we are not trusting in God. Because if if a if a family or individual holds that kind of power over us because of money, we are in a world of hurt and our church is going to die. It is going to die. So be be very wary of that. And so the next thing that we have there is that we want to be patient. Um you know, we've talked about Alan that that a lot of people won't really consider you to be their pastor till you've been there for three to five years. And uh, so, you know, beyond those first five years, what happens? Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's just how it is. If you want to change the culture in a church, but you're only planning to be there a couple of years and you want to move on to another church, don't even try. Uh, I mean, don't, don't even try to change the culture within that church because you're going to fail Every single time, um, it takes time to to make change. It, we we've talked about this. We've already done podcasts on the the crisis of change, the pain of change, and change is hard. And what you're dealing with many times in these family run churches is a lot of these smaller churches across across our country have really struggled to hire the right people, people who are willing to love their community, people who are willing to invest in their community and and who will stay and so they're tired of being burned relationally they get they like you mentioned trent they get close to a pastor and you know three four years later that past that pastor leaves and then they have to start all over again well what didn't start all over again the fact that there's weekly programs the fact that there's weekly worship services the fact that so and so has cancer and that you know so and so's struggling in their business and and all those things haven't changed and so, you know, we have to be patient to recognize in, in many of these cases. And one of the beautiful things that's happening in ministry today is that people are staying longer in these churches. And it is starting to change those cultures in, the, in many of those churches. But it is a slow process. Don't expect this to all happen at one time. And don't and don't play that card of I'm going to go out and I'm just going to run this family out, out of roles of leadership that is that maverick mentality just never ever um in, ends well for us and that kind of leads us to that last thing which we have to avoid the backbiting um and you know i get it we sometimes need to hold our ground but we have to avoid backbiting and talking about this family behind their back that's for sure you want to be positive when talking about your church and that includes all the people in your church um don't be don't be the one who's known for gossiping about somebody in your church and what you're saying Alan about you know trying to run off a family that just hurts your church it hurts the the family and there will be some people that leave but don't you be the instigator of running them off yeah let their act let their actions speak louder than words in in a, in a lot of ways and that doesn't mean we don't have hard conversations and we're not not proactive um, but those are things that we need to work on and develop. And it takes time to develop those things. You know, we have a, we kind of have a way now of dealing with people, you know, if they're in leadership positions, but they're not giving um, to the life of the church. But that doesn't happen oftentimes on the front end. It takes time to kind of build this and build an awareness of how we're going to deal with this a type of thing going forward. So be patient. And guard your mouth, guard your heart. Right. Well, and you know, that's why we're doing this podcast, right? We've 
both been in our church for a number of years, and we want other pastors to have the benefit of being there long enough to see some big things happen. And uh, so we want to encourage you to be positive about the things that are happening. Be a be a, a person who lifts up your church, not tears it down. And uh, Alan and I want to encourage you too. If there is um, something that we could do to come alongside you and talk through an issue, um, a struggle that you might have, or even uh, come and be there for your church to do some consulting. We would love to be able to do that for you and to join with you in the ministry there. So uh, please go to our website, EnduringChurches.com and and, uh, get in touch with us.